Hello, I'm Jake. And I'm Sam. And welcome back to the Comeback Drive. This week we are week five. Uh, no, I'm wrong, we're week four. Correct. Uh, and this week we're going to be talking about the amazing female staff within the NFL. Uh, we're going to do a little bit of talking about some trades that have happened in the last week or so. And of course, we're going to have a two-tone computer in there as well. Yeah, uh, just jumping in on what Jake said. Originally, we were meant to have our section on uh, female staff in the NFL last week, and we messed up big time. Jake's looking at me, shaking his head. He's like, no, don't tell this story. Like, I'm going to tell this story. Um, <laughs> because I think it's quite a good thing in, in the way we were thinking. Because obviously, we were talking about the head coaches last week, and we, we knew quite a significant amount of our time would go on to that. We didn't then want to skip over onto... Um, the female members of staff and it'd be completely overshadowed by us talking about head coaches for an hour and then briefly oh yeah quickly we'll just move on to that quickly for time and then talk about something else so if we had put it in last week when we release our podcast it's each Monday and it would have come out on International Women's Day so we messed up big time in that sense but the way like I say the way we were thinking is we wanted to give uh, the female members of staff, uh, female coaches in the NFL, more of a, uh, a platform. So we didn't want to just talk about them for 10 quick minutes and then uh, uh, just move on because obviously they deserve um, a big shout out, especially in, uh, especially this week when we are recording. Uh, like I say, Monday was International Women's Day and then this week uh, on uh, the NFL's platforms, it's uh, uh, NFL Women's Week. Um, so yeah, we're gonna go from there and hopefully do it justice. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We didn't want to just brush over them because it's so important that they're there, and we feel really, really strongly about the females in the NFL. We think there should be more. We think it's great that there's as many as there is, but and we can't wait to see more coming in off off the backs of of, of these guys that have paved the way for them. So. Um, just a quick little mention before we get started uh, of our social medias as usual. We're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, The Comeback Drive. I think I said last week we were The Comeback Drive podcast. This week I'm saying we're definitely The Comeback Drive. You never know. Next week we'll have changed it again and we might just change the name altogether. But you can find us on there um, weekly depending on, on what we say as to whether or not you find us. But give us a like, give us a share, give us a rate on your, your podcast apps um, and let's get into it. So, Sam female staff in the NFL you've touched on it already do you want to carry on uh yeah um I, th I think the first that I've really noticed about it because like I say we've both been watching uh well obviously I started watching in 2015 you were a bit earlier than that as you mentioned in the first podcast but mm. the first I really noticed um with female staff in the NFL was uh last year with Katie Sowers the offensive assistant uh coach for the 49ers who was the first yep. female uh staff member to coach uh, in a Super Bowl which obviously fantastic she did um, a great job as the uh, offensive assistant to get them uh, to that Super Bowl <clears throat> Sorry, yeah frog in my throat there um, I, she's not with them any longer uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know the reasons fully behind that um, but that, that, that's when I first started to notice um, you know female coaches in the NFL and um where, where am I going with this? I'm, I'm just trying to think what I'm trying to say here. Um, how important it is to have that balance on 
the team like it shouldn't always go on the um you know it shouldn't be a male orientated role if the best person for that job is female and uh katie did a great job uh as, as you know as we touched on because obviously the first time that really noticed it it's a female coach in the super bowl yeah yeah it's fantastic to see um she did a great job over at the 49ers um and it was it was great to see her sort of there there in the super bowl like you say um it was it's great that she sort of shattered the ceiling i suppose she, she sort of let them she, she was one of the, the main ones to pave the way for for other people to to get in there i mean obviously there was sarah thomas in sort of 2013 when she first sort of with the officiate position but we'll get on to her in a bit but yeah it's it's great to see them as there as coaches really yeah i, I mean they, obviously they bring a, a great perspective like you say that's paved the way because this year we've had we in the playoffs i think there was six female coaches uh in position in sorry in positions with um playoff teams which is fantastic and then obviously um if we if we're talking about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning the Super Bowl, you've got Laurie Locust, who was the uh, assistant uh, assistant defensive line coach, and yeah. uh, I'm not going to do this name justice at all. Morale Javadia, no, Morale Javadifa. I should have really practiced yeah, that before the, I started the, recording. The assistant strength and conditioning coach of, with with us at the books, yeah. Um, I mean, she's a great physical therapist. Um, she 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 did a lot of physical therapy in Seattle. Um, and then she did a, a residency in, in the, the sports physical therapy over at Virginia Commonwealth uh, in 2018. So it, she came on with the books. I think she came on in 2019, I think. Um, and yeah, she's just been fantastic. She used to play basketball beforehand in, in New York. Um, she's got a Bachelor of Science in Molecular Biology. You know, she's she's an amazing, amazing woman. Um, and she's got a, a doctorate in physical therapy as well, and it's just she is a, a complete asset to to the books. I think that there's a few players that have said they they wouldn't have made it through the season without her. But it's it's, it's like um, you've just said there, like w- with all those degrees and everything she's she's done, she's put in the work to to be the best um, best coach at that position that she can be and obviously that has, yeah. that has uh, led her to get a, a, a job in what she loves doing and you know she's in the NFL and yeah. I mean as a strength and conditioning coach NFL teams need them like the players are fast physical and strong they yeah. they need um, the tutorship from um, from these coaches and um I mean, you guys won the Super Bowl, so she's she's not done yeah, a bad job, yeah, like because w- watching that Super Bowl, just just how, I mean, not even the Super Bowl, but w- watching your you guys this season, your your defensive players were more physical, stronger than the other teams, and uh, you know your offense at time were out muscling um, those one on one coverages, your wide receivers. Um, so it's it's fantastic to see, but I mean I mean as well like if, if we're talking about muscle, if if we if we go back and talk about uh, Laurie Locust, your um, yeah the assist, yeah. assistant defensive line coach, um, I mean what a defensive line to be um, 
you know, to be looking after. You've got the likes of Vita Vey, uh, Jason Pierre-Paul, uh, and Dominican Sue. Like, I was, I, funnily enough, I was watching um, uh, Good Morning Football the other day while I was doing a bit of research for this, and um, they were specifically talking about Laurie, and they were saying, like, you know, and Dominican Sue, you know, listens to her. Jason Pierre-Paul listened to her. Like, it's, it's got nothing to do with the fact, um, you know, that she's a woman. It's the fact that she's the best at her um best at her position it, yeah absolutely and and that, that that's what um you know w- we need to see more in the uh in the division um yeah yeah i think a big a big part of it as well is i you don't see them saying like you do in some other sports where they've, they've got um female coaches or female assistant coaches in there you don't see them saying yes ma'am yes ma'am it's coach yes coach anything that you know straight away coaches it's no different so if it was a man, it's it's just she's the coach. You do what she says, and you get on. And and I mean, she had a. I mean, you listen to her anyway because she had her own her own career in in football as well, sort of a semi professional football, um, with the Harrisburg Angels and the Keystone Assault, um, and she where she was, you know, she was voted the MVP in two thousand and seven. Um, but coaching was always a dream, and to get to be the assistant defensive line coach. For the Buccaneers is, I mean, it's any defensive line coach's dream. I, I would imagine this season, anyway. You know, I imagine there's a lot oh, of yeah, new dreams of I, I, I want to be on there. I want to be the part of the Super Bowl winning defensive line, and I, I imagine there's people lining up to learn under Laurie. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think I fully explained myself properly before I said, "Oh, they don't listen to her because she's a woman." What I mean is, they listen to her regardless of, of gender. Yeah, like that came across as really wrong in a section where I'm obviously trying to do it uh, a bit of justice. Um, yeah, obviously those d- defensive line guys, they um, it's like you say, it's it's yes coach, it's not yes ma'am or yes it's yes coach. Like yeah. you're a coach, we respect you. You've put in the hard work to get to where you are, and, um, and obviously listen, pay yeah. dividends for you guys this season. And I, I mean, like I say, oh, yeah. six uh, six female. Uh, coaching staff in the playoffs is, um, you know, it's fantastic. Obviously, your first um, uh, game you were playing against the Washington uh, football team. Nearly said it again. Nearly said you it. Did. Can't call them that anymore. Really, it's Washington really football team. Um, they had Jennifer King, who was a full year coaching intern uh, for them, and I saw this the other day actually which i think is fantastic she's been promoted to assistant uh assistant running back uh, coach for 2021 so yeah. again it goes to show that it's best at position like she was obviously fantastic as a um intern uh for the football team and then she's been promoted to assistant running back coach getting that promotion to carry uh carry on playing with the um with yeah sorry with the football team um I can't wait until they change their last name because it's, it's easy to say football team. Um, oh, it's going to take a while. I mean, obviously, um, Washington don't have the greatest uh, running backs in the NFL, but obviously, if they bring someone in, what with uh, you know a lot of cap casualties happening uh, this season, mm. um, obviously, it'd be very interesting to see how she does in that role and see how well uh, Washington do. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, she's definitely an asset to the team. She, she brought a wealth of coaching experience with her because she, she coached basketball before she ever moved into the NFL. Um, I mean, it was it 2018 that she was in the, the, the NFL Women's Forum and, and it was uh, Ron Rivera, uh, actually, that gave her her first, her first shot as, a, as an intern with the Panthers. Um, and he just, you know, him and the Washington football team saw what she had to offer and and snapped her up um again under rivera um because he went over to washington at that time he he took her over with her because he was so impressed with what she had she was just somebody that she he couldn't afford to not have as part of his staff yeah exactly i mean um you, you know one of the other teams in the playoffs this season tennessee titans um i see I feel really bad because I didn't I didn't know it's not that I know every single coach on the team but obviously like I knew Arthur Smith obviously he was quite prominent I knew that we had Shane Bowen as defensive um uh not defensive coordinator he's been promoted to defensive coordinator now but we had Shane Bowen as like I think he was linebacker coach and assistant mm. defensive coordinator while Mike Vrabel was calling defensive plays but we we also had um a female member of staff, uh, Christy Bartlett, who Christy was strength Bartlett, and conditioning yeah. coach. Um, I had absolutely no idea about this. And I think I think part, part of the reason is like it doesn't get promoted enough. Obviously, like yeah. we've seen it this week, um, which is fantastic, and we're starting to notice it a bit more. But I had absolutely no idea that all through last season that we um, had a female coach, and obviously she did a great job. Like The team stayed healthy for the most part. You had AJ Brown, who... Uh, whose knee was injured for most of the season and he, he he wanted to keep playing no matter what and um obviously strength and conditioning coach is a big part of being able to help them play yeah if, absolutely uh, it's christy barlett that got in there yeah it's yeah i i agree with you with your point of um that it's not promoted it should take it shouldn't take international women's day for us to be made more aware of the amount of female coaches that there are in the NFL, I feel like we, if you know, if we know about these other coaches, we should know about them as well. Their, their, their name shouldn't come. Oh yeah, by the way, we've also got um, their name should be more at the forefront. Okay, I guess when it comes to strength and conditioning coaches, I couldn't name you many, regardless from any teams. It's not one that you sort of see the most. You see the O line, you see the D line, you see well the offensive coach, the defensive coach, and the head coach, don't you? Those are the ones that you 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 got quite prominently in your mind but strength and conditioning is 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 so important and there's so many in sort of more prominent positions that you still don't hear about that it just it's a problem that needs that's starting to be resolved and i'm i'm looking forward to seeing their names coming up more yeah because again like like we said at the beginning you know me myself and jake have talked about it extensively We're, we're trying to do this uh this podcast especially this section uh a bit of justice we're trying to talk about it as much as possible but i, I don't know if you're feeling the same but i'm feeling that we're sort of falling short on it a little bit because it's a bit like oh, yeah well because it's not being reported we we can't do as much research as we'd like to um you know to talk about it as much as possible for, for ourselves yeah. and for our listeners um so o- already like uh i know that this podcast is probably going to be a little bit shorter than you know, past ones that we've done, but um, you know, we're just trying to do it a bit of justice. And uh, again, we—I mean, I mean, part part of this is like I said, there were six female uh, staff in the playoffs this season. Apparently, 
overall in the NFL, there was eight female members of staff uh, in a coaching position. Not, no matter how much research I did to try and dig, dig into it, I couldn't find who the other two were who weren't in uh, the playoffs. Yeah, I, yeah I, I, I'm with you all the way there. Um, I mean, Christy Barlett that we've already mentioned, I, I struggled to find anything on Christy Barlett and I just don't understand why. If she's an established coach, she's part of the Titans team. She is the strength and conditioning coach for the Titans. I think she Why was. I don't think I she's any. I don't more? think she's with us any longer. But again, I it, I, I went onto the official um, Titans page to have mm-hmm. a look at coaches for this season upcoming, and her name wasn't on there. Now, whether they yeah. put assistant coaches on or not, I'm not sure. She could very well still be with us, but it's it's hard to dig you know dig up that information if it's not there. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few other sort of notable names that we we can mention here. Um, I mean, I think there's there's a couple um, that obviously being being first certainly we, we we need to be talking about. We've already mentioned one um, when we were talking about uh, Jennifer King. Jennifer King um, was the first black woman to become a full time coach in NFL history, um, which is just fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, we've got uh, Sarah Thomas, the first female to officiate, uh, first female officiate to officiate. That's difficult to say in a Super Bowl, um, and she did an amazing job. I don't think any of her calls were questionable at all. Um, and I think for an officiate, for you to not go, come on, even when they're being called at your own team, I mean, you just can't argue with it. If you're making fair, honest calls, I want you officiating every game of play. Yeah, agreed. I mean, obviously there was games throughout the season um, where she was still officiating and um, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember any of the um, calls that she made being really questionable or then if it was a really bad call, you know, no one no one came out with um, the usual sexist triumph yeah, yeah. that you see when... Um, Something like this, you know, happens. Oh, yeah. Obviously, we're not gonna we're not gonna name any of the stuff that gets said. Everyone everyone reads the internet. You read yeah. Twitter. You see what happens when something like this goes. You know, something like this happens. But obviously, she did a fantastic, um, fantastic job. Like, um, in, I think, like you said, it was twenty thirteen when she uh, became one of the twenty one finalists uh, in contention for a permanent NFL officiating position. Yeah. Um, she worked with uh, New Orleans Saints uh, on their scrimmages and was part of the NFL officiating development program, spending three days um, at a Colts minicamp. Then yeah. on April eighth uh, in two thousand fifteen, she uh, announced that she would become the first permanent female uh, official in NFL history, which is fantastic. Obviously, that's well five six years ago now, um, but it's only really getting noticed six years later. Uh, rather than in 2015. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, that's it. She she made a debut in back in 2015, didn't she? As the line judge um, in the the Kansas City and Houston game, Energy and Stadium, and we just didn't hear about it. Really, it was just sort of brushed under, like it wasn't an important thing, and it absolutely was an important thing because it's a big stage to be up upon to show young women across the world, not just across America, that this is an achievable goal for them. They've spent years being told, no, that's a 
you know they're all men in that position that's a position for men you look for something else and then there's this hero of sarah thomas stood on the line showing them that it's it is possible um and and to 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 go for it and it's what we want to see i i think like some of the um research that i did which like really fascinates me is um the December twenty fourth game, uh, Christmas Eve game. I don't know if you've oh, got research yes. on that. Oh yes, where she, she where she broke her wrist. Broke her wrist mid game yeah. after a player collided with her uh, on the sideline, and after being looked at briefly in uh, the concussion protocol, the big blue tent that they put up, um, mm. she returned and just completed the game with just yeah. you know broken wrist. It's like yeah, yeah, everything's fine. Vikings and Packers. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Vikings and Packers game, but that's. That's that's fantastic to see as well because obviously uh, you've got so many people out there who are quick to quick to judge, quick to make all yeah, these comments. Who yeah. you know, if 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 that had have happened, should not return. There'd have been you know so many people slating her as soft or as um, you know she shouldn't be doing this job if she can't stay in the game. Mm. But to come back out and just be like, yeah, okay, broken wrist, nothing, yeah, nothing that's to it. it. Just I'm, gonna, I, I, I'm hoping say, so... it wasn't her prominent hand because obviously they've got to throw the yellow flags <laughs> yeah so i'm hoping that it was uh you know her uh, weaker hand so she could still use the uh you know her main hand to throw flags, that yellow yeah. flag <laughs> um but then obviously a, a great way of um proceeding and changing within the nfl is that the head linesman uh term for one of the judges was then changed to down judge as a yeah. more gender neutral term because of having yeah. a female um uh referee in the game and that's again fantastic um it's you know, a, it's, it's, it's another barrier forward. broken down isn't it with, with, with the role model there it's great to have another just the name can be a barrier and and as men ourselves we don't necessarily notice these things until they're pointed out to us i don't think it's certainly something that we want to be teaching our children from an early age that anything's possible for anyone doesn't matter what you look like what gender you are um it's certainly something that i've done with with my son but it's it's great to see little barriers like this that we don't even think about that are everywhere for women and it's it's great to see that changing to make that position just feel more attainable there isn't that connotation that that has to be a man because it's in the name um and yeah, I really like that. I'm, I'm a big fan of things like that changing. But it's like it's like it's like we we said earlier. She, she did a fantastic job all of last season. There was no. Mm. I, I mean, obviously within the NFL, there's, there's there's obviously going to be a few dodgy calls here and there. Oh, should that have been? Should that have not have been? But there was never any. I mean, the, the one controversial call that always stands out to me is. Um, uh, LA Rams versus New Orleans Saints, the where the down judge didn't see the contact before the ball came. You know, you know which mm-hmm. play I mean, don't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just before, just before the Rams got to the Super Bowl, and yeah, yeah that, that's what you want. Again, best, best in the position. She had a great season last season. No contentious calls, to my knowledge, um, and consistency at that position. And yeah, absolutely yeah, that's fantastic. the most important thing. I think, and, yeah. You, you know, I think we appreciate we appreciate it more, having done this research into it. So next season, you will be looking out for these coaches uh, mm-hmm. a bit more. Um, and again, hoping to see more. Mm. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, with Sarah Thomas as well. She was the first woman to earn an on-field assignment for a playoff game, 
I mean, obviously yeah. the first uh, female uh, assistant to uh, appear in a Super Bowl. So, you know, progress. We're getting there. We're getting yeah, somewhere. absolutely. And I feel like we can't talk about uh, the first as well without talking about um, Maya Chaka. Because she was, I mean, this is this is the last week, the last two weeks, um, where she has made history as as the first um, black woman as as an NFL officiate, um, and one of the great things I think about this is not only that she's in that position, a great another another female officiate, which is which is fantastic, um, not just, and a, a, some more diversity in there as well. Because um, I mean, I don't know about you, but mostly what you see with the NFL officiates is is sort of middle aged to old white guys, and, and it's great to see some diversity in there, uh, which we we do already see, but it's great to see some female diversity in there as well. Um, but she also, when she was asked about it, the first thing she says is, "It's, it's not about me; it's about those that come after me. It's about the kids." Um, yeah. She she was a teacher before, teaching health and physical education at, at Renaissance Academy. Um, on Virginia Beach and it caters to the needs of at-risk students so she's always got them in her mind and the first thing she did when she was given a stage to talk about it was say it's about them it's not about me um she sees her promotion within the NFL as as a lesson plan for her students more than she sees it as a historical milestone for herself mm. um and I she I mean she got into football from she 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 was playing basketball at Finger Lakes Community College uh, and a colleague of hers recommended that she tried uh, sort of officiating football, uh, obviously at a high school level at that point. Um, and she very quickly went from working high school games to conference games to Pac-12 conference. And very quickly, uh, well, she, she then moved on to the XFL and has moved on to the NFL since then. And I just, I'm excited to see her like, officiating in games this season. Again, it it all goes to show like hard work and persistence. If you're the best for the job, you'll, you know, you you'll be given it like, which is what you what you want to see, one hundred percent. And I'm really glad that you um, you know, you brought her up because I um, I, I didn't see that at all. I did I did not see that um, piece of information come up about the first mm. black uh, female official in the NFL. So, yeah, yeah, I, mean, I think I think we're going to see great things from her this season. Um, I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fingers crossed. The regular season will start, and we're going to see the full list of coaching staff from each team, and every team's going to have female staff. Is what I'm hoping for. I think that would be a great sort of again a great boundary to push past and and make it feel more available for the younger generations as, as to have as a goal. Or if we don't um, see it this season, it's it, it's certainly coming. It's certainly coming. Yeah. It's about time. So Yeah. Yeah. And I mean there's certain positions that seem to be they they, they seem to excel in. Uh there's there's uh, I, did we touch on Chelsea Romero, the um again assistant strength and strength, strength and conditioning coach yet, for the no. Rams. Yeah. And she's but, been there since twenty seventeen and again you don't you don't know about it until you look into it, which is is a bit sad, I think. But I mean, it's I mean, what a great team to be the strength and conditioning coach for. You've got yeah. Aaron Donald. You've got um, obviously now you've got Jalen Ramsey. You've got Michael Brockers, the Andrew Whitworth, um, the left tackle. I mean, they're one of the most most physical teams in the NFL. I think um, we maybe touched on it last 
week when we were talking about the head coaching change. Um, the defensive coordinator from the Rams has gone over to the uh, Chargers to be the head yeah. coach, and they had like the number one defense in, uh, you know, s- s- yeah, num- number one defense I think uh, in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And again, a lot of that's going to come down to strength and conditioning. Uh, absolutely, yeah. Um, I-, I think like the other um, female member of staff, or the last female member of staff who uh, managed to make the playoffs was Callie. Brownson, who was the chief of staff for the Cleveland Browns. Obviously, Browns fans, first time in the playoffs in a long, long time. So, fantastic uh, for them. Um, but then, obviously, because it's been a season that's been riddled with COVID and uh, coaches having to take time away from the team if they get a positive result. Fantastic yeah. to see that she became the first uh, coach, sorry, first female coach to... Um, yeah, first female coach to coach a position group. So rather than assistant running backs coach or assistant wide receivers coach, it's like the head. Yeah, just not the head coach, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like, like Todd Bowles is the defensive coordinator. Yes. Um, she became the first female coach to coach for position group. Uh, the Cleveland mm-hmm. uh, for the Browns, obviously against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, obviously, uh, Drew, uh, Drew Penzing was out with COVID, and um, he was the tight ends coach, and she filled in for uh, for him there, which is fantastic. I mean, even better, yeah. she went one step further because again they got hit by uh, COVID, where the head coach and all the other coaches were out for the playoff game against the Steelers. So she filled in uh, for as the passing Penzing. game coordinator yeah. and wide receivers coach. Um, oh, sorry, in week 17, she did that against the Pittsburgh yeah, Steelers. Yeah, and then again, Petzing, she yeah. filled in for Petzing uh, against the Steelers in the playoffs, which is fantastic. I, I mean, they absolutely yeah. blew away the Steelers in the playoffs. Yeah, they did. And, and, and yeah, they just rolled over most of the teams they played. They, they had a pretty good season, I think. It's. There's the other thing about Callie Brownson. She was the uh, she's another first. I mean, we're, I mean, we're going to come up with firsts a lot when we're talking about female in the NFL because it just hasn't been done for so long. But she was the first um, first woman hired as a full time NCAA Division One coach as well um, before she even got to the. NFL. Oh, I didn't know that. Who was that with? Yeah, um, that was with. Um, she was promoted by Dartmouth. Promoted by who? Sorry, Dartmouth. Ah, right. Big okay. green, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Right. Again, I'm learning new things from you. You're learning mm. new things from me. I, um, yeah. <laughs> it's all about our research. I've done different research to you. So, you know, that's fa- that's fantastic. Um, but, I mean, briefly, like, if we're going if we're going to speak about NCAA, the first... Um, yeah, of course. The first female kicker in an NCAA game for the Vanderbilt Commodores. Fun, interesting fact, the only team that i've seen play live in america uh college team is vanderbilt it's a great stadium yeah. um it's got a little place in your heart doesn't it little place in my heart well i, I always right, right next to, to mariota <laughs> close to mariota no Mar- mariota takes a big place in my heart um it's fun. i was speaking to your wife earlier and she was saying like why do you talk about mariota just constantly and i was like don't understand emily okay <laughs> um, she's gonna be so happy she got a mention on the podcast yeah, I've actually shout out Emily. No free shout outs. You don't get any more. Um, 
But yeah, sorry. Go, go, talk, going back to uh, college football. Sarah Fuller, yeah. Uh, Vanderbilt, uh, the Vanderbilt Commodores, first female kicker, Sarah Fuller. Um, I think it made national headlines. It even reached over here to the UK, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think she made a field goal and a point after in the game. Could be, could be wrong. I know they got absolutely destroyed. Whoever Vanderbilt were playing, um, but they're not the best of teams. Um, <laughs> but again, it's 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 a big step forward to having that, um, you know, neutrality in. Um, in college football, yeah, um, she made she made the kick. It's a good kick. Like, I don't think I could have made it. Um, so, taking big strides to, yeah, big strides in the right direction um, with uh, with all of this. Um, we'll have to see. She's back next season uh, for the Commodores, and um, yeah, she's back to playing soccer in the off season, isn't she? Um, but yeah, to be that. The, to, to appear in a big five conference game and score as well again she was um she was at the super bowl as well wasn't she sarah fuller um she she got a she was one of the few people to get a ticket to the super bowl uh, and she was a big part of their um promotional adverts and everything as well that's fantastic mm. yeah really really good I, I, I didn't know that again probably went off for another whiskey or something while she was on the tv so yeah and i mean with the, the female we mentioned earlier about female staff um, on the Buccaneers, um, that Bruce Arians actually was given the Champion for Equality Award this season, um, not only for having um, the most diverse coaching staff that there is for, I mean, I think every single head, well, coach at the head of the position um, was, was black on the, the Bucks team, um, and it was the only team to have that um, to have two maybe I think there's actually more than two female staff and the coach well two female coaches and then we've got other female staff as well yeah um, within within like your front office things like yeah, that yeah yeah that's it and 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 Bruce Irons actually gave a little speech on the subject saying that he wanted many many voices um, and he didn't want them to all sound the same um, this is what he said when, when people asked why he had so many female staff why he had so such a diverse coaching staff um, and he said what he wanted them to be different. Um, so when the female coaches talk, um, and and a young coach speaks up, everybody listens. So it doesn't matter if it's the eighty-two-year-old offensive analyst Tom Moore, whether it's uh, Laurie Locus, or whether it's it's a brand new young coach. Everybody listens. Everybody on his team treats everybody with the same respect. Um, and he he says he's always got a great input from all the different voices and. He credits them for us making it to the Super Bowl and, and winning. And he, he, say, he also said that he's really enjoyed having the perspective of women in the building, on the staff, coaching and scouting. So they're, they're on all levels within the books. Um, and he says he's, he's hoping to see a lot more in the future on all teams, not just as in, within the books. Yeah, I... <laughs> Can't, you can't disagree with anything you just said. No, nothing it's, at all. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm glad that we've actually managed to talk about this subject for quite a lot longer than I was anticipating. Um, I, like I say, I was a little bit worried about talking about this subject because I I didn't want it to be one of those where it's a bit like, oh god, we've only spoken about it for ten minutes and now now we're struggling. Like we have been speaking about it for quite a while, which um, you know is 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 fan fantastic. It goes to show 
the hard work um, that these uh, staff members have um, put in to mm. get to where they are. And like, like you say, there's, um, there's new firsts each year when it comes to this. Um, you know, you've got the, um, the first, you know, two years ago, it was the first female coach to coach in a Super Bowl. This year, it's the first two female coaches to win a Super Bowl. You've got the first female referee to referee a Super Bowl. You, yeah. This next coming year, you've got the first black female to coach, uh, sorry, to work referee in the NFL. And we're just hoping that there can be um, many more firsts, um, you know, in, in years to come. Yeah, and, and not just firsts, many more to follow, I think, is, is the other yeah, thing. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and I feel like, I'll t- touch on what you said earlier, um, no, I don't think there's anything that we could say to do it the justice it deserves, to be honest. Um, I think it's just a subject that I'm, I'm happy that we've talked about. It's one that we've both been passionate to talk about. Um, we've been talking about it all season. We've been... As soon as we decided to do the podcast, we knew it was something that we were going to need. We we were going to be talking about on the podcast, um, and I just I know that we're not that far reaching, but I hope it it does reach some people and they they can do their own research into it. They can see how key the female members of staff are across the NFL, um, and that we see more in the future. Yeah, I mean, I, um, I I was talking to you earlier about our good friend Emma, who is a listener of the show. She'll be listening to this next Tuesday, probably. Um, and Again, she was saying that when, when she listens to it, she does a little bit of research, and she's like, "Oh, I find that really interesting. I don't, I don't really understand what you guys are talking about because she's not an NFL fan at all." Um, but she likes to do her own little bit of research off the back of that. She's like, oh, I thought that was really interesting when you were talking about the salary cap and how that works each season. And because Emma likes English football, she was like, do you think that'll happen with English football? And I was like, yeah, apparently there's talks of, uh, you know, that, that coming into like the Premier League and stuff like that. So it's, it's even though we've got only a small following at the moment, uh, it's yeah. nice to know that the people who we are, uh, reaching with this podcaster, uh, you know, taking it in and taking it very passionately. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, thank you everyone again for listening. Um, yeah, absolutely. I think, I, what just one more point on what we've been talking about. Does it not annoy you a bit that when, when we're talking about stuff like this, uh, not not Emma, like you're fine, Emma, talking about female staff in the NFL, that um, you have to say female staff, like it should just be staff or coach, Absolutely. Yeah, it is, it is infuriating. I, I, I think it on every level with anything um, when you have to say female or black or mixed race or anything like that, I feel like they're just people and it doesn't, we don't need the label to st- to begin with. And like you say, we're both looking forward to, to the day when that label's just not needed anymore. When it's just standard practice that there's a mix of everyone within these things within everything not just within the nfl obviously we're talking specifically about the nfl because that's what we do but yeah i i'm looking forward to the day when everything is just diverse and equal i think that's probably a, a good point to uh end that segment i think um yeah you've you've done a really nice really nice job of capping it off there yeah and um yeah, but we're going to move on and speak about um, some of the trades and cuts that have happened. Obviously, 
with a salary cap now has been confirmed at a hundred and eighty two point five million. Yeah. Um uh so a lot of uh trades have happened already. We've seen a lot of big cuts happening, even some today, which we will cover a bit more next week. Um Yeah. Um We've seen Obviously, lots of restructuring going on as well. Lots of people just just scooching away underneath that salary cap, and and again we'll touch we'll touch on that a bit more next week, I think. But there has obviously been some some big names making some 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 big deals, and we're just going to touch on those this week, I think. Yeah, definitely. I'll I'll let you I'll let you kick off with the uh, big one down in the Arizona desert, Jake. Well. As we, we all know, J.J. Watt has parted ways with the Texans, to use their term. Um, and he arrived at the Cardinals, and what a way to arrive for J.J. Watt. I love the way that announcement was made. Did you see the tweet? Just yeah, under yeah. a sort rack, wearing a Cardinals <laughs> t-shirt, sauce me. I well, just do think you know that... why that was done? Go on. I, I, I don't. I, I think I might have spoken to you about this. Um before we signed Vic Beasley the uh, last season from uh, the Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. um, At- Atlanta had um, had announced on their uh, Twitter um, we won't be yeah. we won't yeah. be negotiating a new contract with Vic Beasley in the off season. And some poor soul, bless him, had tweeted, "Who's your source?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then, like Atlanta had just tweeted back literally us the falcons mm. and like the guy deleted his twitter bless him and everything he got absolutely yeah. roasted for it so complete credit to their social media team i think it's brilliant when companies can have a personality online like something something as big as the as as a football team to be able to just crack down on one person like that i, th- I think it's brilliant i love it when companies snap back with with comedic effects not not an nfl uh, related one here but you, you'll like this one. Um, I'm sure some of our followers will as well. Did you see the one between um, Pizza Hut and Leeds United? I didn't. Okay, so obviously I'm guessing you know about um, Marco Bielsa, the Leeds manager. They were talking about Spygate, where he used to send people down to uh, other training grounds to watch the other tactics. Um, um, I've got to say... For all I know about the NFL and love of the football in another country, I know next to nothing about European football and football that happens in this country. So basically, I know I'm diverging massively from NFL here, but it's it's just a really funny story. Um, but, but basically, but, but he was caught sending his own staff members down to other training facilities. A bit like, you know what the Patriots did, where mm-hmm. they were sending people down to watch other teams and you're not supposed to do that. Yeah. So a bit like that. And then they got caught and there was a massive controversy. And then Pizza Hut tweeted after this had come out to Leeds United saying, we've just seen um, we've just seen a man in a Leeds United top, um, ha- you know, peering in through our window like he trying <laughs> to steal our recipe le- at Leeds. And Leeds United had tweeted back saying, um, oh, we, um, we, <laughs> what, what was the wording they used? Like, this joke's old now. We um, we only uh, yeah. Sorry, this joke's really old now. Um, we we prefer uh, Domino's. who don't take uh, a week to deliver a pizza. And then <laughs> the best comeback I've ever seen on Twitter is Pizza Hut back to Leeds United saying, 
That's a bit rich coming from a team that hasn't delivered since 1992. <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely destroyed them on the spot. Oh, that's brilliant. Uh, but yeah, sorry. Anyway, back, back to uh, the NFL. We were talking about JJ Watt and we yeah. went from JJ Watt to Pizza Hut. Um, so big <laughs> shout out to you there, JJ. Like, but we couldn't be asked to talk about you for more than five seconds before we started talking about pizza. Um, yeah, sorry. So he's got he's gone over to the uh, Arizona desert. He's gone to the Cardinals. Um, yeah. Two-year deal, $31 million with, I want to say, about $20 million guaranteed. Yeah. Um, I... I Personally, I think I think as good as he has been these last couple two three seasons, he's he's been out with various little niggly injuries for two or three games, and not that he's not a good player. But he, he has been since he snapped his femur. It, since he snapped his femur, he's he's been he's had some issues, um, and not surprisingly, it's a big bone to break, um, and it's going to have knock on effects from the recovery period. There's going to be other bits that you've been compensating for that one, and it's going to happen, but. Yeah, I, I I agree. I don't think he's he's sort of he's he's been worth what he's he's been earning recently. Apparently, we were in for him. The Titans inquired about him uh, for for less money than um, what the Cardinals had offered. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes but, sense. He's a good defensive player. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, obviously, we, so, we sick of him stopping uh, Derrick Henry. You wanted him to uh, on Derrick Henry's side. I mean, there's no question about it. Like um, I've been talking about it in most podcasts. Our biggest need this upcoming season is pass rush, and it'd, be, it'd have been fantastic on uh, the Titans team. But I, I, I don't think I could personally justify that amount of money for mm-hmm. him when he does have these injuries. Um, yeah. Uh, I think I think for Arizona, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, we've got DeAndre Hopkins from the Texans. We've got JJ Watt from the Texans, and all they gave up was David Johnson and a second round pick. Like it's just ultimately very, very bizarre what's going over, uh, going on over in Houston. And apparently, yeah. even today, there was a press conference with the new general manager, uh, Nick Casario, and they, they were avoiding using certain terms about uh, the trade uh, with. Uh, Deshaun Watson, which apparently is impending now because they were sort of okay. working around certain ways of saying we're going to trade him. Apparently, this is the thing, they're going to trade him, but yeah. um, but they avoided using such terms. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, what are your thoughts with uh, JJ Watt? Um... Great for the Cardinals, I think. The Cardinals... Um could have used a, a boost this season um, for, for their defence and as, as you say he's had those niggly injuries he's not been necessarily earning his pay as such recently but I think he will do well with the Cardinals for the Cardinals um, I know he said that he, he wants he wants a ring that he wants to win um, and I mean he's going to the Cardinals Um that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to win, but um, it'll it'll be interesting to see how their defense stacks up this season compared to last season. Now that they've got, I, I did Watt. see a stat though, and I I can't remember the name of the defensive end on the other side of the um, Arizona um, defensive line, but uh, I'm going to have to Google it um, mid podcast again. 
You like to do research <laughs> mid-podcast. Um, yeah, I can't help you out with that one. I, I, I'm not really familiar with the Cardinals' defence. Um, absolutely fantastic team. Um, but I, I need to find out the name of this uh, other defensive player because it goes to what I'm trying to say. Um, oh, my goodness. So you've got JJ Watt. Chandler Jones. Right. Chandler Jones uh, and JJ Watt apparently together since 2017 have like the most tackles, the most stops, the most sacks in the NFL. Um, like number one is JJ, then number two is Chandler Jones, and they're now on the same team. Okay, that, that should be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And obviously. Kyler Murray had a great second season, um, yeah. and hopefully in his third, he's, he's going to continue to improve. And the the uh, rhythm between himself and um, DeAndre Hopkins and the other receivers uh, improves. I, I, yeah. I, I think it's they're a team to watch next season, definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But it's a well, tough division as well. One of our, our ever ever getting longer list of ones to watch next season. It's just every single team. We always say it. They're a team to watch next season. We we yeah. watch out all the games, so yeah, they are all teams to watch for us. Yeah, and and uh, they've obviously have, have they still got Fitzgerald? Did Fitzgerald ever announce whether he is retiring or not, or did he decide that he is going to play another season? Fitzgerald, I I think he's retired. Oh no, he's a, he's an unrestricted free agent this off season. So whether he stays and signs a um reduced uh, contract or he, he mm. goes on to... Uh... I think he will. I can't see him playing a year or, well, a season with another team before retiring. He's been with the Cardinals for a long time um, and he is a Cardinal legend at this point. I can't see him retiring not with the Cardinals. If he doesn't sign back with them this season, I think, I think he'll retire. Yeah, yeah, me too. But um, yeah, obviously interesting to see what's going to happen now. Obviously, JJ Watt going over. Um, uh, so yeah, going to be interesting on that defense. They've got a good defense. If Patrick Peterson comes back at cornerback, that's going to be good. They've got Buda Baker, obviously, as a safety, who's very, very good. Asaya Simmons, who they signed. Um, sorry, not signed. Who they got in the draft last season. So it's a. It's looking like a scary defense for. Um, for Arizona, but they've yeah. got to go up. They've got to go up against um, the Rams, the 49ers and the Seahawks as well, who all have good defenses. Yeah, yeah. So it's not it's not exactly like it's an easy division to win next season. Mm. I think that they make me, good games. Though I'm I'm a fan of a, a good defensive game. I think for me though, if you're watching the NFL next season, and I generally mean this out of all the divisions, that is probably the division to watch because obviously you've got San Francisco's whole team were injured last season. They're going to come yeah. back. You've got the uh, LA Rams number one defense last season. So obviously they're going to be a good defense to watch. You've then got um, Seattle whose defense, not the best, but still good. They obviously brought Jamal Adams over from the New York Jets um, mm -hmm. free agency Uh Sorry, not free agency. They traded for him. Um, there's, it's a, it's a stacked division. I and mean, obviously, with this scary defense that Arizona have now, that's going to be an interesting defensive division to watch to see yeah. who takes the top spot. Yeah. 
Um, moving on defense. to other um, free agency signings and cuts. Um, who, who was it you said uh, we were speaking about again? Uh, you said the, it before the, we started recording the podcast and I forgot. <laughs> the big release from Washington. Yeah, yeah. I should probably have remembered that. Whoops. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Alex Smith. Yeah. Do, do you want to talk a bit about that first? Yeah, it's... He made his comeback last season. He was our... I mean, he was the comeback player of the year, wasn't he? He was our comeback player of the year. But to see him released is is a bit sad. Um, to see that that brilliant moment where he, he, he came back from recovering from, from what he was going through to to them being released it's it's a bit sad to see but i think it could be a great opportunity for alex smith it'd be it's it's good to see i'm looking forward to seeing where he ends up because um from what i've seen so far he's not been picked up yet um that may just be me falling behind with research um but from what i've from my research i've not found him having been picked up anywhere yet but no he's not gone anywhere yet yeah i'm i'm excited to see where he lands because there could be a few spots that could be great for him and it'd be good to see him starting again. I I, I agree. I mean, the only reason that um, he's been released is he's a cap casualty um, because of the cap going down from, you know, close to 200 million to 182.5 yeah. million. Um, obviously, he won a few games when he did start last season, but then obviously when he was injured... Um, or apparently injured, he said that he wasn't injured and they didn't want to play him in the playoff game. Taylor Heineke had a couple of great games for them. He was re- rewarded with a new contract, much cheaper contract than Alex Smith. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like I say, keep, keeping an eye on where he's going to go. Will he be a starter though? This is the, the, the question. Yeah. I, I I've seen a lot of uh, people, uh, especially Pat McAfee has been talking about where you can see him going to um, Jacksonville who have a massive amount of cap space obviously mm-hmm. they're going to they're gonna draft uh, Trevor Lawrence as the number one overall pick, but whether Trevor sits in behind Alex Smith for half a season and learns from Alex Smith before taking the uh, number one job at uh, Jacksonville um, yeah. you know, that, that could be interesting to see, but I, I, I can't really see him going anywhere and being the starter. Yeah. I mean, okay, potentially he could go to maybe the Jets as the starter if they, yeah. if they draft a tackle uh, and then they, they still have a bit more time to develop Sam Darnold under um, under Alex Smith because obviously Darnold's only head coach was Adam Gase, uh, mm-hmm. uh, so he's never going to really do well under that. Um, no. So, yeah. Interesting to see. I, th- I think the uh, football team nearly said it again. The football team um, uh, cleared about twelve million in cap space by getting yeah. rid of uh, Alex Smith. It's a shame to see him go after his fantastic. I mean, we say comeback drive of the year. Sorry, not comeback drive. Uh, comeback player. Come player of the year. Yeah. It's, it's comeback player of the entire NFL since it's been going. I think. Yeah, yeah. I don't think anybody's gone through what he's gone through and come back. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, d- definitely, he's, no, no one's come quite close uh, to that. But if, if if anyone was going to, I know the the next person that we're going to speak about drew inspiration from Alex Smith after what he had gone through with breaking the leg because um, Dak Prescott with um, Dallas, 
uh, obviously had snapped his ankle and is, has worked his way back um, from, yeah, you still... You, I can still see it, yeah, I can still see it happening and it was, it made me cringe at the time and it still makes me cringe. Like, you just don't want to see it any ever, but it's... But yeah, he's, he's, he's done really well to work his way back to to playing again. Um, and he's made headlines with the deal that he's made for the second year in a row. I, yeah, four-year deal, 160 million, about 90 yeah. million of that guaranteed. Yeah, yeah. And what, what was his deal last season? Was that 136 million? No, he was franchise tagged last season. So he was didn't he? Get a, he didn't get a ah, term deal. Yeah. Because a franchise tag is obviously uh, just one year. Yeah, yeah. Um, then obviously they've um, they signed him this season for uh, for an NHL four, four years, years um, for one hundred and sixty million. And like, I I don't know about you, but I've got to be honest. Like after the injury, that is a lot of money to pay a quarterback it who's rehabilitating his way back into the NFL. Yeah, it really is. Because no matter how much physio and things he's done in the meantime, looking at that break that. And I hate to say it because it will conjure the picture, but that wobbly leg, like, there's going to be repercussions going forwards, isn't there? There's going to be some things that spring up as a result of that injury. No matter how much physio he does, no matter how much strength and conditioning he does, there's going to be flare-ups. There's going to be something else that happens as a result because there always is. And certainly with something that bad, he can't guarantee that he's going to play for uh, what like 80 85 percent of the the snaps this season because let's be honest for the money he's getting they want him playing <laughs> between 90 to 100 percent of, of oh, the games they that they play, play. Yeah, they want him playing every yeah, single offensive snap absolutely uh, yeah for the for the cowboys but did you see the interview that dak and uh, jerry jones the owner of the cowboys gave uh no i saw i saw highlights and snippets from uh, twitter Such and things a bizarre um, interview for Jerry Jones, I think. He, he was saying, if anyone um, has taken advantage of me uh, for paying them a salary in the NFL, I'm glad that Dak has taken advantage of me here. And it's a bit like, taking advantage of... Yeah, of course he's taken advantage of you. You've just paid him $160 million over four years. Uh, sorry, was it 160 or 100 Yeah, 160 yeah. 160 over four or five years. Like he's taken advantage of you, definitely. Like I, what I want to know is what what information does Dak have on Jerry that they have like <laughs> taken advantage of him to give him 160 million dollars? Because like like I say, coming off that injury, that's that's a lot of money. It is. It is. And I think I, I don't know. Like you say, there must be something that he's got over him, or he's or. Jerry's starting to go a bit senile. Like he's <laughs> he's getting up it's, there. Um, I, I don't know. I think he's getting a, a bit quarterback. He's he's a great quarterback, but mm. I we've seen him, you know, uh, make some unbelievable performances the last couple of seasons. But I, I I just I just think you've got you've got your good quarterbacks. You've got your great quarterbacks. You've got your you know, you, and then you've got your elite quarterbacks like the likes of Brady and um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, uh, yeah. players like that. But I just think to pay someone forty million a year for the next four years, who's coming off an injury, and then for the owner to go, well, I'm glad he's taken advantage of me. It's a bit like, yeah, I want whatever you're smoking, Jerry. Yeah, well, like you say, with with a weird interview from Jerry Jones, that's just standard practice at this point, isn't it? 
every time he opens wow. his mouth, you sort of think, what? <laughs> it's we're going to have to see what happens with that because obviously yeah. we've touched on it before. Not a good division to be in last year. Um, if Dak stays healthy, you yeah you want them to win that division. Like I, I think there's that there's that sort of thing where everyone who's not a Cowboys fan hate the Cowboys but you, you want to see them win that division with the amount of um, money uh, you know the amount of money that he's on yeah and if nothing else you want to see the the lead in the division be a bit more separated than it was last season yeah, yeah. Um, talking about uh, trades cuts and other things we'll move on to our uh, two-tone computer section um, where Jake's going to talk first about uh, things that have been going on within the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Well, well, well. Things that have been going on indeed. So do you remember uh, when we were talking about our ideal players that we could pick up within our salary cap? Yes, it was only two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, that's right. Uh, Just checking your memory stretch back that far. And you said we should have made a bet... (laughs) incredibly rude you said we should have made a bet on how many of our picks made it onto the team this season and how I should have taken you up on that bet Um, so we have franchise tagged Chris Godwin yeah which is great hopefully we can come to come to a deal to to, to sort of extend that past that that one year Um, and we have re-signed Levante David to a two year extension um, worth 25 million dollars um, but that's by doing so, we've kept that at a manageable three point five million this year, um, which is great. The two players that I were, were high on my list, that Levante David Devin White team is just ridiculous, and I am so looking forward to seeing it again this season. Um, Chris Godwin, as I said in two weeks ago, you know, in, in episode two, they he had so much potential. He's done did did some fantastic catches last season a lot of one-handed stretches whilst diving across the floor to pull that ball in in the end zone and I'm looking forward to him getting a bit more tutelage under Mike Evans working again with with Brady this season um although I, I think that's it, it is sort of semi-confirmed at this point isn't it that Brady's going to be there for another two years but um yeah it's it's great it's great that he's back I'm really really happy with those in fact you knew how happy I would be with those two signings. Um, you, you sent me a screenshot of Chris Godwin having been franchise tagged, and then you called me to see how excited I was when you t- when Levante David uh, signed like that two-year extension. Like a kid at Christmas. Yeah, oh, it was it was amazing. Uh, <laughs> um, we've also done a couple of other things. We've extended some uh, tender offer for exclusive free agent rights to uh, tight end Tanner Hudson, uh, defensive lineman. Jeremiah Ledbetter and Patrick O'Connor uh, and also to long snapper Zach Triner who have all been playing for us before um, and they're looking to keep them. I mean Triner and O'Connor played all 20 games last season. Um, all yeah, every, every game we played they were there. Um, Hudson played 11 regular season games last season uh, and four postseason games. Uh, I mean he only caught three passes for 41 yards but he was he was still there being a sort of a crucial member for us as well. Um, I, I mean, that was after Howard and uh, Eau Claire were put in on, on injury reserve, but still he did 
he helped out. He put his work in. <laughs> so books have reached out to him again. Um, there there hasn't really been any progress on whether or not they're what's going to happen there, but they've they've certainly put that out. Uh, and Ledbetter played. He only played three regular season games for us. Um, and got his first recorded sack in week 16 against Detroit. So not a lot of movement with the Bucks, but movement that I'm excited about, movement that I'm very happy with. This is the point I was trying to make to you, because you were just like, oh, I wish I'd taken you up on that bet. But it's still true with what I said. Like, you've got Godwin. Mm-hmm. You've got David. Yeah. I've just checked spot rack and over the cap. You are now 2 million over the cap. What's happening to Barrett? We're still going to get Barrett. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that we're going to get Barrett. There's, like I said, you see the point I was trying to make. Players, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, there's a few players that are talking about restructuring now, so I think, I think we're going to make some room, and I think we, I think we are going to see some cuts as well. Like there's, there's a few candidates for cuts. Um, no reputable sources really. There's just a few names flying around for, for, for cuts, but there's quite a few that are willing to restructure to save save a bit of cap space this this coming season so we'll see we'll see there's still there's still room for Barrett yet <laughs> yes I uh interesting to uh to see if you manage to get him or not yeah I'm I'm, I'm still hopeful I'm still hopeful what's what's been going on with the Titans so the uh big news with the Titans our first round draft pick from last season Isaiah Wilson who decided he didn't want to play football for us at all uh, and he'd rather be doing anything else uh, than earning a living with us, um, has been shipped off to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. We've uh, swapped seven round, uh, the seventh round picks plus um, Isaiah Wilson. Uh, and to be honest, I'm, I'm glad he's off the books. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That, yeah. We that, saved that, a little bit of cap deal, space. Yeah. We've taken a bit of a hit but we've saved a bit of cap space by getting rid of him because, mm. I, I mean, I spoke about it last week. It, it, it just turned out to be a bum for us. Uh, he, d- he didn't want to play. He broke protocol several times. And to think that a team actually traded for him, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does seem like, sorry, sorry to put in a second. It does seem like they were literally going, Dolphins, please take Sire Wilson off of us. I mean, who's who's who wins that draft? Sorry, who wins that trade vote? The Dolphins Titans. by getting by getting a first round draft pick, a uh, former first round draft pick who didn't want to play, or the Titans getting a seventh round pick this season. <laughs> like I, I, I'm taking that. Like we're saving yeah. cap money because he didn't want to play for us. Well, absolutely. Um, that's that's it. I think it's great that they've they've just they've got rid of him because his attitude was just appalling. There is that part of me though where I I I hope he does change it around and he he starts playing for the uh, dolphins and um he um you know he changes his life around and he he, mm. he, he does well for them I, I don't wish him harm or anything like that but i mean you were given the opportunity to be a starting right tackle for an afc playoff team and you you gave that up to to go party down in miami for new years and to be on to break protocol several times, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, enough about uh, enough about Isaiah Wilson. The other big news. I don't know if you um, if you saw. We have cut um, Malcolm Butler, former uh, Patriot, who were uh, very very famous for intercepting at the uh, goal line uh, against uh, Russell Wilson. Um, 
we yeah. cut him from a team which has saved um, uh, 14... Oh, sorry, he was due 14.2 million this season. Uh, and by cutting him, we've taken on a dead cap of 4 million, but saved 10 million. Um, and which is he was our best defensive yeah. player last season at cornerback. Sorry, we're again there. At cornerback. Um, but we need edge rush help. We, we need that massively. And I, as a business decision, I, I completely, completely get it. I'd have, you know, it'd be nice to have seen him stay at least one more season, but he's, he's a cap casualty. But as well, we've got rid of uh, Kenny Vaccaro. I don't know if you saw that. I don't think I told you about no, that. No, I didn't. I didn't see that one. No, I saw about yeah, that. Yeah, our, our uh, starting uh, strong safety has been cut, which saves us 6.9 million. Um, again, good player. I, um, you know, he was a good player for us when he uh, came over in free agency from New Orleans, but um, cap casualty. And uh, as of now, I think we have about we're about sixteen million under the cap. So it, it's it's a bit of wriggle room to get in a few. Yeah, uh, free yeah, agents. that's much better because um, you you were over. Uh, the cap before, there's a couple of players that I've got my eyes on. So my list has now changed from when we did it. Oh, we should get them. We should get them. We should get them. Like because there's the amount of players that have been cut by the teams that you never thought would get cut. Mm. Um, yeah, but interesting to see what's gonna what's gonna happen. Seems to be our catchphrase. Interesting to see. What's Interesting to see. Oh, but yeah, for me, I say that a lot. Mind Heather, I mean, when, when you're listening back I mean, to this uh, on Monday, can you please write down how many times I say "but yeah"? Thank you. I'm just leaving a little voice note for Emily in the middle of our podcast. There, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that's that's fine. Uh, I think I'll, I'll leave one for Emily. Actually, the, 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 the same thing. But count how many times I say "I mean" because I say that a lot, and I'd like to do it less. So, I would like to know. What your, uh, your your being Titans, top five plays your personal Titans top five plays of this season have been. Uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to do all five of yours at once, and I'll do all five of mine, or do you want to do count down from five and sort of? Uh, you I can, do five, I can I'll just do ring five, off all my five. all my five, and then you do yours. Yeah, cool, go. Um, yeah, it, interesting question because I, th- I think. Maybe not necessarily my top five plays of the mm-hmm. season, but my top five most memorable plays. So they weren't okay. like, oh my God, that was the best play that we've had this season. But it was like, that to me sticks out. Um, yeah. <laughs> funnily enough, most of them involve the same uh, connection. Uh, I'm not <laughs> going to do them in any particular order. But okay. I'll just do. I, I. I'll. I'll just ring them off. So, my. I, I do you remember watching our first Texans game together, Titans yeah. versus Texans, where we won it in overtime. Yes, but yeah, it wasn't yeah. the win in overtime. It did it for me. It was that uh, touchdown pass, Tannehill to AJ Brown with that beautiful toe drag swag, as Nate Burleson calls it on Good Morning yeah. Football, uh, on the sideline to take it into overtime. Um. That was fantastic to get. I remember cheering so loud uh, when that was given with 11 seconds left to go. One of the most memorable plays for us uh, last season, uh, definitely. Because I remember you were even so excited about that. Yeah, that yeah, was I was say, I, it sticks at, out for me as well. But yeah, Cardiac yeah. Titans at the best. Um, another um, one was so 
a lot of them in, in involve AJ Brown, um, which I, I think you'd probably think, oh, surely most of them have to involve Henry. No, a lot of them involve AJ Brown. He was um, phenomenal. My, yeah, fantastic player that we got mm. in the second round um, from uh, Ole Miss in 2019. Yeah. Um, one of, one of the other most memorable uh, ones, and it actually did win angry runs on Good Morning Football. Um, do you remember where he caught the the pass with about ten yards to go, and there was about three or four Baltimore players around him? Yes, yeah, and yeah, he yeah. Bulldozed his way into the uh, end zone with yeah. a little bit of help from um, I can't remember which player it was that helped push him in, um, but. I mean, he had a dodgy knee at this point as well, and he managed to bulldoze his way, and it's, it's such a fantastic play, which, again, we won in overtime. Um, just, yeah, just stuck out to me, like, just the grit and determination that we've not had uh, at wide receiver in um, a, a long, long time. Like, I, I love Corey Davis for everything that he's brought to the team. He gets so uh, underrated as a... He's a brilliant run blocker for Henry. Yeah. Like he he will bl- like block 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 to make sure that Henry gets into the end zone, um, but AJ Brown is a true number one wide receiver. What he managed to do with that play was phenomenal. My, which order am I going to do these two in? <laughs> okay, the our second game against the Jags uh, this season, that one handed catch by AJ Brown. Oh, that was beautiful. Yeah, fantastic. Not not necessarily um, a top five play overall, but the, like I mean, he managed to bring it in one handed against a. Uh, I mean, it's the Jags, so that's why I say it's not a top five play. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, like, if if that was any other team, like if if, if that was against. I don't know, Jalen Ramsey, where he's yeah. at the Jags. I mean, yeah, top five play, but it was against... I don't even know who the cornerback was who was covering him on the safety. It was still a fantastic play, so memorable. I don't think I even saw it. I think, I'd, again, I'd gone for a whiskey. Um, there's there's a lot of me going for whiskeys and missing big plays. Um, yeah, and usually me texting you going, where are you? <laughs> and then I, I watched it back, and it, it's, it's just the absolute... Um, just how easy it seemed for him. It's like, yeah, mm. caught it. <laughs> yeah, but, I, I mean, that, that was yeah, such yeah. a beautiful play. Uh, definitely sticks out as memorable. My number one AJ Brown play. Go on, have a guess. You know which one it is before I even say it. I would have said it was going to be one of those. So I'm, I'm eager to hear. So our last game of the season against the Houston Texans, we are, um, we're drawn. It's, uh, I, I want to say 31 each. Um, and we have 50 seconds left on the clock. The Tannehill uh, play action pass to AJ Brown, who hauls it in at the 30 yard line with eight seconds left to go before we kick the field goal to of win course, the AFC yeah. South for the first time since 2008. That to me just, oh my goodness, what a fantastic play. To um, I was so excited, like yeah. physically, like, you know, screaming. Uh, uh, I've still got the video somewhere <laughs> of me going yeah yeah you screaming um, yeah. my my number one play or my number one most memorable play of uh, the Titans season it was a play that didn't even count but it will always 
always stand out to me. Jake's smiling. He's got that little <laughs> rice smirk on his face. He knows exactly what it is. Derrick Henry gets the ball. He bounces it out to the left-hand side because there's no holes in the centre. He's got a cornerback running straight at him. Just little stiff arms to throw him out of the stadium and on it onto his backside. The best play of the Titans season for me. And it didn't oh. even count because there was two offsetting fouls, one on each team. So it just went back. Um, but um, how Derrick Henry at 27 years of age can throw a grown man to the ground by simply pushing him. Um, With a bent arm. It was fantastic. Yeah. I, I've still got the photo. It's it's the back angle of it where you see Henry's arm outstretched and Josh Norman just flying midair. Yeah, it, it, both feet off the ground, hands for it. Oh, phenomenal. I, I, I even remember, um, I, I, again, it won Angry Runs, I think, that one, just, just for the pure um, brutality of it. But yeah. I, I even remember... Um, um, one of the hosts from uh, Good Morning Football had tweeted in all in block capitals for the love of God, Derrick Henry, just for like doing what he did. I mean, I'd seen another one where it was like, do you remember when um, I can't remember the name of the uh, cornerback, but one of their old cornerbacks retired at halftime because he just gave up. Do you remember that the Bills yeah, cornerback? Yeah. Like uh, another NFL uh, analyst had tweeted, uh, "Josh Norman might be the second Bills player ever to retire at halftime." <laughs> just it was such a beautiful yeah, play. Yeah, it was great. Anyone who's listening to us now, just go and Google, uh, sorry, go and YouTube Derrick Henry versus Josh Norman to see how beautiful a play it was. Yeah, oh, it was fantastic. Uh, what about yourself, okay. Jake? Move on to uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers top five yeah. plays. Of so. This season. We- I had a few to choose from this season. We had we had a good season. Um, unlike you, I'm going to do mine in a particular order. Um, so coming okay. in at number five. Um, now, not again, as you've said, not necessarily the, a great play on its own, not necessarily one of the top plays of this season, but one that stands out for me is Winfield Jr. in the end zone, whacking, diving across the player to whack away a touchdown pass in week 15 against the Falcons. Now, from every angle, this was going to be a touchdown. It was going to put the Falcons in the lead against us. I think we were like 26 to 24 at this point. And Winfield just comes out of nowhere, smacks the ball out of the air with his left hand and is one of his many great plays of the season. He, he really stepped up this season. Um, and for me, it was just a great moment. It was great to see this, this receiver seeing that ball, had his hands up for the ball. He was like, this is mine. I've got a touchdown pass against Tom Brady. And Winfield just comes out of nowhere, flies across him and smacks that ball out of his face. Phenomenal. It was great to watch. And uh, number four um, was comes early in the season, actually. One of, our, one of my earlier mentions, uh, Mr. Shaq Barrett, uh, getting the safety in week four against the Broncos where he just charged through their O-line and just sacked him in the end zone. I think I missed two points. I, I can't remember seeing that. It was early on. I think you were possibly watching another game because it was one of the ones that uh, we had games on at the same time. Um, so you were watching Titans and I was watching the Bucks. Um, but yeah, Chuck Barrett just charges through the O-line and, and sacks in, in the end zone for, for a beautiful two points. Um, 
at number three, uh, I've got week 11 against the Rams. Um, Godwin diving from the four-yard line over out-of-bounds. He's not out-of-bounds because no part of him has touched the floor at this point. And he just extends as far as he can to pass that ball over the pylon in the end zone to get a touchdown. Everyone on the other team, well, everyone on the Rams, sorry, was screaming for out-of-bounds. And the guy, the the ref, even even the um, oh, I can't think of the name of them. The guys that talk over the top commentators, yes, commentators. <laughs> commentators. <laughs> Sometimes I have to just word it out until I get get the word I want. Word it out. See, words aren't working today. Um, they were screaming, "Ref, is it in? Is it in? Is it in?" And and the guy, the the official on the sidelines, just hands as high in the air as they go. Um, it was phenomenal to watch. Uh, if you missed that one, I, I highly recommend it, l- watching that one. Um, at number two, you won't be too surprised to hear this. My preferred running back for the Buccaneers, Mr. Rojo. Ronald Jones. Yeah, Rojo. Week 10 against the Panthers. How many yards did he get, Sam? It was 94. Worth- Mm, close. Worthy of Derek Henry, the 98-yard touchdown run. Was it 98? 98 yards, yeah. We were in our... Well, Brady was in our end zone. Um, I, and, I mean, come back and talk to me when he's done a Derek Henry. I don't, I don't, I don't want to well, hear Well, he practically it. has unless done can, a Derek Henry. Unless uh, he can do 99 <laughs> yards, I don't want to hear it. One yard shy. But yeah, that, that Ronald Jones run um, before... Uh, well, just, just after coming back from injury, um, before he went off for injury again. Um, or the COVID list, I can't remember which one it was at this point. Um, yeah, that that ninety-eight yard run for a touchdown, just I, I remember flying it. past all, all all the the Panthers defenders. It was did, it did was the phenomenal. linebacker not clip his uh, heel uh, or foot, but then he just carried on running. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, he got it. touched a few times. They 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 got hands on him a few times, but he he just kept going. There was, there was yeah, no stopping him on that run. Very very poor. He was he was player, channeling channeling Danny, Derek Henry at that point. Yeah, um, yeah. And, I remember that play. That was good. And number one, I think you could probably have predicted this one comes in the divisional round game against the Saints. Uh, what name am I going to pull out here, Sam? Oh, Devin White. Devin White intercepting that ball against the Saints. It may not have been a play that scored points directly. Uh, it certainly did indirectly. But so memorable, though. Yeah, that interception was just phenomenal. I was screaming. Uh, I mean, Devin White has had an incredible season. He is just such a phenomenal player and has just not quit this season at all. Um, and he was determined in that game to come back against the Saints. And comeback he did. I mean, I could have I could mention several other plays from that game alone by Devin White that could be on this list, but it's got to be that pick. Um, a little bit of a stiff arm, shoving the players out of the way, not letting them stop him until he's picked up a, a, a few yards before going out of bounds. Um, yeah, phenomenal. Fantastic. And is, is probably the highlight of the season for me. Okay. Here's one because this is one that we've not discussed. Like obviously, we knew we were gonna talk about our top five plays. Mm-hmm. What for you? What was your top play for my team? And what? And then I'll okay. say what my top play for your team was. Right. Okay. It's interesting. I wasn't prepared for this. Um. Wow. We got we're going off script, guys. This is this is the yeah. hard stuff. And not wanting to to repeat on you. 
Um, you ran a, a sneaky little trick play that looked a little bit like the Philly special, but wasn't the Philly special in, I want to say, week eight, week nine? If you tell me who it was, I'll be able to tell you. Which, I, I which can't. Team it was. I can't tell you who it was. I can see it happening, but I can't tell you who it was. No, I'm, that's what I'm saying. If you reason. tell me what the play was and who scored it, I'll, so I'll be able to. It was one of those that uh, Tannehill flicked the ball off to someone else and made it, it look like the start of the Philly special, but the ball ends up flicking back to Tannehill, and Tannehill runs it in for a touchdown. Now I'm not sure if he flicked it to Derrick Henry and Derrick Henry flicked it back. And everybody charged after Derrick Henry in, in one of those classic opening know, away I, yeah, by I, giving it to Derrick Henry. You I know, know exactly, which play I mean. And exactly it was brilliant because I, I quickly typed out a text to you, they're doing the Philly special. And then very quickly followed it up with another one. No, they're not. What are they doing? This is incredible. Um, Did he? Pa- I don't think he passed it off. Did he hold it out long enough to Derrick Henry? And Derrick Henry ran to the left and every single defensive player no, ran now that to the happened, left with Derrick Henry. No, that happened four times last season where it they made it look like time. Henry's got the ball and they couldn't afford to not cover Derrick Henry and Ryan Tannehill just walked it into the end zone. No, it wasn't one of those. It was a little a little pump pass. It wasn't a, it wasn't a proper pass. He just sort of scooched it off to the left and it got thrown straight back to him after everybody charged off that side and Tannehill just ran in. It was very similar, but there was an actual hand off of the ball and hand back again. It did look, there was a lot of players running around that made it look like the Philly special, but it wasn't. I, I know the player, I can picture yeah, the player. You can, that's I just it, can't you can see it. Team. I couldn't tell you, I, I, like I said, I think it was week eight or week nine, it was around there. Um, but I couldn't tell you who it was Was it against. Colts? Was it the second Colts game where we blew them away? Possibly, yeah. Yes, I, I I know the play. I know I know the play, but I can't um, I can't I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. Yes, that that was a good play. That was a really uh, really good play for us. Yeah, because it's, it's it's one of those like if people think Derrick Henry's running the ball, every single defender is going after Henry, so they just they forget about uh, Tannehill. But obviously, t- sorry, I keep burping on this podcast. It's terrible. Um, I think it was possibly Bears, not Colts. I, it could have been. <laughs> yeah, I can't. I can't quite remember. But um, they forget Tannehill used to be a wide receiver, so he's quite fast when he's running. Oh, he is. Yeah, uh, he's got some good feet. Go on then. What's yours? Uh, you see, I only did this. <laughs> I only did this segment because obviously the uh, the Buccaneers won the Super Bowl. I just wanted to embarrass Jake a bit with my favourite play uh, of the. Uh, he knows what it is before I've even said it. Um, um, you know what I'm going to say, don't you? Go on, just say it. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm going to say. Um, week, um, I want to say week six. Um, it's uh, it's tw- 20 points to the Bears, 19 points to the Buccaneers. <laughs> He's shaking his head. He just knows that I'm uh, a bit of knob at this point. Um, Brady spikes the ball on fourth down. Game over. <laughs> Four fingers in the air. Where's fourth down gone? Yeah. <laughs> But, That's um, all I wanted to do with a segment for, just to say that. Because obviously you've had such a good segment. <laughs> Sorry, you've had such a good season. And you've taken the mick out of the, uh, the, uh, the Titans a little bit. I was a bit like, I'm going to get my own back. I'm going to stick the knife but in a little bit. Thinking of that gormless Brady holding up four fingers, uh, how many playoff games did we win again? How many? Ga- uh, yeah, how many, exactly. How many games <laughs> did we win this season in the playoffs? Four. But um, we, 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 couldn't, we couldn't go with favourite plays uh, without mentioning that, could we? Yeah, yeah. 
And again, as I've said before, in retrospect, hilarious. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's the only yeah. reason I bring it up because it is funny. Like, it's still memorable. It might not be a top five play in terms of uh, a good play, but it's still a top five memorable play. Yeah, yeah it certainly is. I can't fault you on that. So, yeah. yeah, I think that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thank you very much to everyone for tuning in again. Uh, again, social medias this week is the Comeback Drive on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, I tell you what, like, give us a share, we Google, us a we Google throughout the show, so we will tell you exactly what our social media is now uh, when we uh, log in. I'm I'm um, confident on the comeback drive this time. Not the comeback drive podcast, like I said last on week. On Facebook, it, we are facebook.com forward slash the comeback drive. So Jake was correct in uh, in that aspect there, and <laughs> on Twitter we are. Twitter.com forward slash comeback drive. Not the comeback drive, just comeback drive. God, wouldn't it be helpful if we were the same on everything? Either way, I don't think we a... could have it over a certain length on no, Twitter. No, yeah, I think it was it was a length issue, wasn't it? But either way, give us a like, give us a follow, give us a share, give us a subscribe on your podcast apps. Um and yeah, thank you again. Um I'll just just leave you with um with this um, little uh, anecdote, um, how many? Uh... <laughs> I'm just trying to wide Jacob again. How many uh, episodes have we had in the podcast, Jake? <laughs> <laughs> I'll let <laughs> Brady answer that. I'm just holding up the four fingers, <laughs> like, uh, like Brady did when he spiked the ball down. Um, thank you for listening in. Uh, like Jake just said, join us next week. Obviously, very very exciting uh, for all you fans who know what's coming up in the next week. Yeah. The NFL free agency officially opens, so um, we will be. <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast because we'll be talking about all things trades, all things cuts, all things free agents. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be great. We'll see you next week. Yes, see you next week, guys. Thank you. <laughs>